Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a podcast featuring the experiences of individuals living with or affected by sexually transmitted infections. Today I'm here with Maggie, who's 21 years old, Caucasian, lives in the UK, is in a polyamorous relationship, and she has genital HSV type 1. The only thing I don't know off the top of my head is what your career field is. So I'm currently a student. Um, and I study anthropology. And what made you get into anthropology? So I started studying about three years ago, probably about four years ago. Um, I decided I wanted to do some sort of social science. Ooh. Um, yeah. What's the most interesting social science that you've uh, been a part of? Um, well, my degree is actually it's a joint social sciences degree with a focus in anthropology. So... Probably the most interesting uh, topic I've done, um, I did a topic in anthropology on sex, gender, and kinship, which was really cool because we were talking about like what makes someone related to you, what makes someone male or female, like all that kind of cultural connotations with that. You have HSV-1 and you have it genitally and orally, correct? Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. How long have you been diagnosed? So I think it was around end of August time last year. I'm bad at math, so I don't know how many months that is. It's about seven months. Eight seven months, yeah, so pretty recent. And how did you find out you had HSV-1? Was it orally or was it generally when you had your first outbreak? I've had it orally for, like, ever since I was a kid. And I found out about down there when I was, like, there was just, like, a little outbreak. And, yeah, so I went to the doctors about it, and they did, like, a swab test. Um, I kind of, like, mentally prepared myself for it. I'd done a lot of research and stuff, because whenever I have, like, a twinge or, like, a medical problem, I immediately, like, research everything there is to know about it. So, um, yeah, in a way, I kind of mentally prepared myself for it. I knew that it wasn't that much of a big deal but when I did get my results back it was still a bit of a bit of a shock when you say you prepared yourself would you say that because you've already had it orally did you think that it was almost inevitable that you would end up with it genitally not at all I never really knew that it could be transferred orally to genitally like no one ever spoke about it and I like to think I'm quite knowledgeable about sexual health stuff my mom is a Um, She used to be a sexual health nurse, and yeah, it's just something that I've been up to date with for a while and keeping on top of things, and it's never discussed about how it can be transferred like that, so Mm -hmm. I didn't think of it as an issue because everyone had cold sores, like, when I was a kid. Like, it was just normal, so it became a completely different uh, subjects when it was in a different place. Even after preparing yourself, you get the diagnosis yeah. that you now have genital herpes. What do you do? I was pretty devastated about it. I felt like I didn't really have anyone to talk to. It took me a while to start, so I've told a few of my close friends and try and talk about it openly as much as I can. But it took me a while to get to that stage, and it was kind of something that I wouldn't want to think about, I wouldn't want to talk about. I kind of ignored it for a little while and I just wasn't having sex. Like, I feel like for a lot of my life, well, my sexually active life, 
I have definitely placed a lot on my value as a sexual being, if that makes sense. So what you mean is once you realize that you had genital herpes, it shook you because your sexuality is, it, it's become a strong part of your identity. Yeah. In a way that, like, it is part of my identity, but more in the way of I've often used it as a way to seek validation, seek um, approval from people. I don't know, it just became quite a big part of my life for a while as a way to give me, like, self-confidence and make myself feel good about myself. So that was just like your, you felt as if your sexual power was being taken away from you. Yeah, exactly. How did things change between the time that you hadn't been diagnosed with herpes or genital herpes to immediately after being diagnosed? So immediately after, I was just celibate for probably like a month and a bit. After that, I started sleeping with one guy only because one of my friends actually told him when he was drunk. And I wasn't planning on having any kind of relationship. I was with my boyfriend at the time, but he lives in America, so I wasn't going to see him again for months. Mm -hmm. um, so I wasn't really planning on anything. But yeah, my friend ended up telling this guy, and I was crying about it. Like, I was absolutely embarrassed, and I felt, like, disgusting. And the guy was just kind of like... Like, I really like you. I think you're really hot. Like, I don't care about this. Like, we'll just use condoms. Like, and I've, he's been an ongoing uh, casual sex partner ever since that. Did he educate himself? Did he know about herpes or did he just think you were so hot and awesome? <laughs> no, so he did. I, I made sure that it wasn't just like my blinding piece. Okay, good, good. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he said um, one of his best mates has it. And I think also his mom, actually. But um, he knew all about it. Like, he knew that there wasn't that much issue with it. He knew it wasn't that big of a deal. It was mostly, like, stigma and stuff. Um, and he always kind of, like, made sure I felt, like, comfortable with him about it. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I met um, through a post that you put up in one of the support groups. Uh, it was just a lot of positivity to it. And you said you wish that you could just eliminate the stigma and of course me being me i'm like oh well if you really want to do that you should be on this podcast so your experience has i guess since you know that happened has been pretty positive correct pretty positive and going forward so after that partner you said you guys are ongoing now but what are, what are some of the things that helped you uh come to a positive place so quickly because when mm. a lot of us are diagnosed we think we're going to be alone for the rest of our lives or that no one nobody wants herpes and yeah. once we end up having it or when we've been exposed to it or when it becomes real we now have to deal with it so what are some of the ways that you've dealt with having herpes after your diagnosis that give you this perspective you have probably the main thing and I don't know if other people have mentioned this on the podcast, was, um, do you know the uh, sexual health... She's a sexual health blogger and also a... Um, I think she's an erotica writer, um, Ella Dawson. Yes. And, yeah, she was literally, like, the main reason that I was able to, like, come to terms with it quite quickly because she speaks very, very openly about it and she's kind of... Um, like, she did a TED Talk on it, like, 
she's kind of taken that platform and exposed herself to all of the stigma and like horrible things people say because she cares so much about ending the stigma for people who were dealing with it and who were struggling with that um and I just I still like I, I love her she doesn't talk about it that much anymore but there's still all of her old posts and videos up and she's just incredible like yeah. she really made me um put it into perspective and reclaim my power back there you go it does that makes perfect sense once you overcome that obstacle in your life herpes for a lot of people is that big of a deal to where you don't necessarily see it as a big of a deal but it does affect other areas of your life because of the strong emotional attachment to the stigma of having herpes so when you're able to really just put it out there and like i said before in other podcast episodes we can interchangeably use just about anything with herpes once you're able to not allow that to have power over you you can go on to do amazing things so miela dawson doesn't necessarily have to talk about herpes anymore because now she's past that and on to being able to be who she is in the world so uh, a lot of people who want to challenge break you know eradicate the stigma uh that's kind of where you have to start at is being able to be open and get past that and come to terms with it. And then you can go off and do what it is that you are wanting yeah. to do. So that's awesome that, you know, you were able to find someone who was out there about their condition and who empowered you to get to the place where you are now. Yeah. Uh, how has your support system been for you? So you, you get that empowerment and then uh, you said you began to tell people and one of your friends told yeah. a guy who's like, hey, I don't care. <laughs> it's kind of mixed. I have a really tight-knit, really honest and open group of friends. So I basically told all of them in the group chat and I was like, this is happening. This just happened. Um, I'm quite um, emotionally volatile and sensitive right now. And it's still a sensitive topic for me. I kind of not got over it, but learned how to cope with it quite quickly. But then more recently, it's become more of an issue. Um, I think that's a bit of a delayed response mm. so they know that it's still like a sensitive subject and to not make jokes about it and stuff um do they make jokes so, about it beforehand like before you were diagnosed were there herpes jokes in your circle yeah like i mean everyone did like i did it was yeah it was kind of commonplace to just be like oh like i'm not sharing a joke with you you might have you know yeah and um yeah, the only, the main issue was obviously my friend who just told a random stranger and another friend who isn't as close to me, who I met at a, I think it was a New Year's Eve party. And this was at my stage probably three months. Was it three months? I can't do maths. It's fine. <laughs> um, so whatever that is for a moment. So like four or five months, um, I was at the stage where I was, so so determined to just talk about it to everyone Mm -hmm. and just kind of break the stigma and be really open about it because I'm very open about other things I deal with so like I'm open about my um, mental health about my you know my sexuality so I just wanted to kind of add that in and this is kind of what really not ruined that for me but kind of stopped my progression past it because I told a friend and she I think she thought I was joking 
and immediately started uh, making horrible comments about it, being like, oh, that's disgusting. Like, why would anyone ever sleep with you? Um, and then when I like told her, like, I'm actually being serious, she was just like, oh, like, I'm really sorry, but it's still gross. And I remembered I had like a massive breakdown that night because my mental health like isn't the best at the best of times. And when one little thing sets it off, um, yeah, I was in absolute bits about it. And since then, I've kind of been more careful about who I am disclosed to. I thank you for bringing those things up because it's not just your sexual health, but it's also your mental health. And none of these single things define you as who you are. These are parts of you. For you to recognize that you're also struggling or dealing with mental health issues on top of your sexual health issues, that's a big step in itself. Thank you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, let's talk about how dating has been for you yeah um so i was with so my current partner um we've been dating officially about a year now we've known each other six years we actually met online um but only managed to meet in person uh last year and yeah he's a very supportive person in all other areas of my life now, is your partner yeah. positive for HSV-1 as well? Um, he might be now. Mm-hmm. But when I found out I was diagnosed, like, I, yeah, he was negative. He got tested and everything. Mm-hmm. But you are in a polyamorous relationship. So explain to us how this works. How polyamory works? Yeah, like, I mean, I guess I understand polyamory in terms of uh, having your primary partner and then, like, there being, like, a hierarchy of other partners, metamors, I guess. What I mean specifically is how are you in a polyamorous relationship and, oh, by the way, you also have herpes. So, obviously, there's some intimacy there with multiple partners. Are they all accepting of it? Do they all have herpes or what? Yeah, so I haven't actively been uh, having sexual relationships apart from with that one guy mm-hmm. um, since the disclosure. I've just been, because obviously like when you're in a closed relationship, just flirting with anyone, just uh, making out with anyone, just like um, cuddling with anyone, like those kind of things can be considered cheating. Um, whereas with me, like I've been able to kind of explore myself and my sexuality in a very supportive environment because I've already got my partner who supports me for who I am. Um, So it's currently just been that one guy who I saw and then I actually um, slept with this poly couple who were looking for um, another partner to throw into the mix and um, I told them all about it to begin with. Um, I had a date with them and I remember them being like, oh, like, do you want to come home with us tonight? Like, we really like you. And I remember just at the time, um, I was just like, no, I'm going to bed. Like, I need to go home. Because I was just so scared (laughs) to disclose. But then I think I find it easier to do it through Messenger, through text, as a way to kind of give them the dignity of having time to themselves to think about it um, and research it themselves. And I can link them to resources and stuff. So I did that and they looked it up and they were literally like, Yeah, like, we'll follow all the precautions. We'll do everything by the book. 
yeah, we really want to fuck you. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I've been trying to be very conservative in our conversation and get a feel for you. And until you said that, like, now I know, okay, <laughs> we, we can talk like normal people. So how did, yeah. so how'd you meet? Did you meet, you met them online? No, so I actually met um, the guy. It's a, it's a straight relationship, but the girl was um, bisexual. And I actually met the guy. Um, we have, like, a kind of gay club scene over here uh, that's pretty pretty good. And I met him in one of the clubs. And he was just, like, I think I got with him, like, within, like, a few minutes of meeting him. Um, I just, like, made out with him on the dance floor. And I remember him pulling away and being, like, my girlfriend would love you. And I was like, oh, my God, like, you're poly? Like, this is great. Like, because it's... Oh, wait, so you you me. were you were poly before meeting him? So it's, it's kind of difficult to put into a time frame because I've had two of my most recent partners. So I was with one girl for two years and a guy for about seven months. And for both of those relationships, um, I always felt like... I was poly and it was something that I couldn't really shake and it was something that I just discussed with my partners and I was like can we try this out like I know you might not be comfortable completely comfortable with it but it's something that I want to explore and if you're not comfortable with it we can like stop it so for periods of both of those relationships uh, we were in open relationships both of those partners uh, weren't comfortable with it so we stopped doing it and eventually the relationships um, either fizzled out or just there was drama as there was with my ex-girlfriend and it just, yeah. So my current partner, I think, is a lot more open to it, especially because of the distance. Like, he's thousands of miles away and I don't get to see him that often. In your experience, when you... Well, you haven't really had to tell a lot of people that you have herpes who you were going to be intimate with. So you allowed the couple you recently were uh, with and you gave them time to do their own research. And how'd they come back to you? Were they just like, oh, okay, well, you know, we'll, like you said, we'll just take the precautions or what? Yeah, it was literally that. Um, The girl was very kind of meh. I don't really care. Like, it is how it is. Um, I'm going to take the precautions, but if something happens, it's completely, like, it's fine. So um, that surprises me just how accepting she was about it. Like, that was her attitude about it. It was just, it yeah. is what it is. If something happens, all right, we're fine with it. Yeah. Are you just that adorable to people? <laughs> I mean... Because, like, there are people in there are people in support groups and dating groups who can't get one date. They can't get one person to fuck them because of their diagnosis. And here you are, like, you've got a couple <laughs> pursuing you. you got the best of both worlds. I think I am just very open about it. Like, once I got over the initial horror at first, like, in my timeline, but there's also the initial feeling uncomfortable with each new person that I meet. Even if it's a friend, even if I'm not intending on sleeping with them, it's something that takes me a while to open up to but once I have opened up to it I think the fact that I'm so not shameless about it but I'm I, like I'm knowledgeable there's a confidence to you yeah 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 they're picking up on that I think so because they're kind of seeing like I don't want to treat it like it's not a big deal because in for some people that it can be um but for me personally it, it hasn't so when I talk about it to people 
I'm like, yeah, like I know a lot of people, most people don't have symptoms, like most people it doesn't affect their life. Um, if it does, it's not that big of a deal still. Like it's not like HIV where you're kind of your quality of life has diminished a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do, you do get uh, medication for that now. But yeah, I think I'm just quite confident in myself. Yeah, and that's confidence that's been built through living life, really, for you. Um, The confidence in telling people, you've told friends, you've told people in chat rooms, you've sent messages, and you've gotten such positive feedback. And I think that a continuous loop of that positive reinforcement is what contributes to the confidence. Now, at this point, if someone were to decline moving forward, as a result of you telling them, you know, hey, I have HSV, how would that make you feel? Do you think that you would feel defeated or as if that confidence were all just knocked down? Or would you be so confident that you could just be like, okay, on to the next? Yeah. Well, as I was saying before with my friend who um, kind of reacted very badly to it, all of my other friends have been, like, mostly pretty good apart from the occasional, like, joke. But that really knocks me down. And I think... If that was to happen with a sexual partner, it might it might really knock me down. I think in terms of the sexual partners that I speak to, when I talk about it, I make sure that I feel comfortable that they're going to respond positively to it. And if I don't think they are, then I don't pursue it really yeah so you fill people out and you allow yourself to be the chooser in that situation is this person worth me sharing this information with disclosing to oh if not then all right we'll just discontinue the relationship slash the communication okay so like that's happened a couple times where you know i was just like talking to someone i was just fighting with them i had you know like made out with them and I kind of, like, wasn't feeling, like, how anyone does when they're feeling someone, not feeling someone up, but feeling someone out. Yeah. Like, you just get a feel for who that person is and whether you want to pursue something. And for me, I think that was just another layer to it. I've been on a date before with someone that I planned on telling right away. I was just telling her a story about a friend of mine because uh, I was in this No More Mr. Nice Guy support group. And it was just for a bunch of guys whose life weren't, their lives weren't going the way that they felt it should have. And as a result, it was like, oh, we're just too nice. And one of the guys was in there who probably didn't belong. He was talking about like how much sex he was having and everyone else is just like, screw you, dude. And so I get to that point because I was, it was relevant to the conversation at that point. She goes, oh, he ain't no telling how many STDs he has. And I was like, done. <laughs> we're like I, I checked out of the date before we even ordered the food but you know I was still a gentleman I went on and uh still got her food and we finished the day I don't want to even call it a date <laughs> anymore there's ways to tell when someone is going to be open-minded about it or open-minded to it versus judgmental about it and we all have to, our own unique ways of filling that out as you said if you pay attention the signs are there and not to necessarily say that we should avoid the risk at all costs. I mean, there are some people who may be really good about just being the kind of person that you think they are or the kind of person that they want you to think they are. At the end of it all, you know, you just have to really trust your gut, trust yourself to know, all right, this person's worth telling. And you have to have the courage to put your cards on the table. Yeah, exactly. I think it is, in a way, in my view, kind of understandable the way that good people might react to it so like my friend 
very great person. Um, she's also um, a bisexual woman, very supportive, like very into like just caring about people. And it is something that is not talked about and it's something that is joked about so much and it's something that is so misunderstood that when it comes up in conversation in a serious way, it, I think it is partly understandable why people are shocked and taken aback and they don't understand it and they're not pre prepared to like take take the risk about it because I think I probably would have been like that like a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, definitely. If someone told me they had yeah. herpes, I'd have been like, just based on what I know about it, I, or knew at that point in time about it, I didn't know much. All I knew were the jokes that were in the media. I knew just that no one wanted it, that it was something you got from having sex. And herpes itself being, in my mind, a sexually transmitted disease at that point in time. And no one wants a sexually transmitted disease. Therefore, if I get herpes, no one's going to want me. So it just was very undesirable as a whole until you learn that it's manageable. It's something that... Yeah outbreaks come and go it's not something that's permanent there's discomfort and it's completely manageable that was something that I had to learn and then I had to learn how common it was but that's unfortunately not something that you are even motivated toward learning until it happens to you <laughs> or exactly. until someone close to you says hey I have herpes or, you know, you make a bad joke and someone else educates you about it so the more of us yeah. there are educating the more of us that are able to tell our close circles of friends i think that that's one thing that we can do to help with fighting the stigma the more yeah. you know people we trust who know about our condition who know a little bit more who have some education the more people there are herpes positive or herpes negative the more people there are who are able to say oh i know someone i understand yeah, what that's kind like. Of like a ripple effect like, definitely how many people we tell like that is so many people that go out into the world and yep. have a better, a better mindset about it and can educate other people about it. Yeah, and then you get your uh, Ella Dawson's, your Kirsty Spragans, who are out there about yeah. it, and people like you or myself can find these people and then know, oh, you know, that person has it, and look at all the awesome things they're doing. This doesn't define me. Exactly. And we just draw inspiration from more people like that. So I greatly appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with me on this podcast because Thank someone's going to find this, someone's going to be able to relate, and you're going to be an inspiration to someone. I, I get messages often from people, um, and I can't share them just to protect their anonymity, but I get messages from people who are always saying, you know, oh my God, I can relate so much to that person. And it's it's very, I don't know the word for what I'm trying to say here, but it's very like... Rewarding? It, yeah, rewarding would be good. Like, it's rewarding to be able to, you know, ask first, hey, can I screenshot this and send it to, you know, the person who you're referring to not everyone's okay with that but in the few yeah. chances that I've been able to like it's been just nice to see and hear the reaction of the guest that I had on who was on here several months ago and you know was very hesitant or afraid to come on and talk about herpes to see that I think that there's a level of healing and therapy that takes place as a result of not only just putting it out there to help people, but to know that you're helping someone. Because I go to yeah. all the guests and I say, hey, so you're really going to help someone with this. For me to be able to put it in their faces and show them, like, look at what you did for someone. That yeah. is what's most rewarding to me, showing people who 
are willing to be vulnerable and put themselves out there, just like the long-term effects of what they do now and how it impacts the world around us. Again, thank you, because this is going to help someone tremendously with their confidence, especially their confidence, uh, sexual confidence, and their relationships. Thank you very much. It's a really amazing thing that you're doing, putting yourself out there as well. And yeah, I'm really happy that I was able to do this. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time, Maggie. All right, everyone, if you like this episode of the podcast, please like, rate, share, and review this on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, whatever podcast player you listen to. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit at H on my chest. Till next time, stay positive.